blot. Chickity check. A blot. Which track am I on? You're on the track that says Mike. Oh, look. Cool Bodies Club is a monthly podcast that celebrates bodies because we believe that all bodies are cool bodies. There will be lols, deep chats, confronting questions, and a high chance of offensive language. This episode was originally recorded on November the 29th, 2018. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Gemma, where is your body at? Well, I have been thinking about this and I had a really upsetting combination of foods for my break today. And so I've been left with this really like dank taste in my mouth. Oh, oh I hate that. <laughs> it was, I can't, I won't say who the peanut butter was from, but it was smoke <laughs> and spicy peanut butter oh yeah and i had it on a cucumber and the combination kind of uh, just like dulled my mouth so i'm just i'm questioning your combination i don't i've never spread anything on a cucumber uh i mean for lunch <laughs> am i right it was a snack you know instead okay. of using biscuits i was Sorry. like let's just chop these guys up uh it can be a very good combo when you get the right combo but it's crunchy, it's kind of like a biscuit, it's watery, you've got to find the right topping. Can you rewind to the flavour of the peanut butter again? It was smoke and spice or something, I don't know. Smoke fire. and it spice. Was, yeah, it was smoked paprika. Ice and fire. Mm. Oh, that's that book. <laughs> oh. Um, so your yeah, mouth feels weird. Yeah, my mouth, I feel unsatisfied. Has it ruined your day? Mm, no. Um, there are a lot more, <laughs> you know, something like that isn't going to ruin a day. It was Good. just upsetting because it's expensive peanut butter. Food is pricey. Oh, so you didn't like it? I. It was my fault. I chose the wrong combo. So the peanut butter's fine on its own. It's just that you don't want to put it on a cucumber. It's not my preferred peanut butter. Okay. Yeah. Right. So anyway, that's where my body's at. My mouth feels dank. Okay. <laughs> it's upsetting. But, I mean, it's really nothing too serious. Have you had a chance to brush your teeth since then? No. Have you ever gone for girl, like, have, Do you man. ever treat yourself to like a wee brush of the teeth halfway through the Mike day? Mike does all the time. Oh, he's got, he's often time. got toothpaste in his bag and a little yeah. toothbrush. How is your body today, Mike? My ears are very happy. I found my favourite headphones, Woo! so that's what's happening. I thought before it gets shaved off, I might talk about the, the shit beard, the hashtag internet shit beard. Tell us a little bit about shit beard. Give us some history around that. Right, background. Uh, I've been growing, as part of Movember, um, a disappointing and creepy beard to raise <laughs> funds for... Mental health and suicide prevention among our men. Mm. Uh, in memory of my friend who passed away in 2016. I am not blessed in the facial hair department, shall can, we just say. Can, can we just, me and Sarah might be able to describe it. It's, 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 it's got a good coverage around the moustache area. It does. But it is thin. I wouldn't say it, you could like broom with it, you know. You it's couldn't patchy. Yeah, you couldn't sweep a floor. Definitely patchy. But yeah, it's just a line around the jawline and kind of a bit thicker under the chin. Mm. I guess your face is mm. quite creative. Like, you know, it's got a creative vibe uh. going on there. <laughs> I think I, I think I look creative in the way that like a regional sales director might look creative. Like it's so the whole of November you've been growing this fabulous. Yeah, and a bit of October, if I'm honest. Give yourself a, I, I, a bit I, of a lead in. I took a bit of a run at it because I knew it wasn't going to be amazing. So, how have you found the beard growing process? Oh, just itchy more than anything, and it's because it's not so it's not very good so it's not very obvious so i have to explain it to people so i've spent the month going oh yeah i'm raising money for november and it's like are you are you <laughs> yes i am two thousand and fifty dollars actually it's a good amount i'm very impressed with that it's a very adventurous face it's <laughs> what is the perfect beard anyway just really massive and thick is it though? i guess i think so Eyes i don't know and full of food yeah, full of egg. Yeah. Ideally. Something that you can, like, put your hands in and part. Mm, okay. 
and like find something in there. (laughs) Yeah, trinkets and such. So that's what I've been doing. A Mm. tiny beard room. Where is... Beard inside the beard. (laughs) (laughs) Where's your body at, Sarah? Oh, I've been on a journey this week. Um, I'm a big fan of coffee. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, a big, big, big bloody fan of coffee. Mm-hmm. So most mornings I wake up and I have a plunger. A whole plunger? plunger? Well, no, like a half. Mm. Yeah. And it's a treat, you know, it's a bit of a ritual. There's a few components to it. Love the taste. Love the ritual. But anyway, I've been having a bit of trouble sleeping this year, actually, quite a lot of trouble. And uh, I spoke to a nutritionist last week and they suggested that why don't I go decaf, which isn't an option that I'd actually thought of. I was like, I just have to give up coffee. if You know, like there's no other medium option. It's just either have coffee or not have coffee. Um, So anyway, I went on the journey of beginning to only have decaf and I definitely thought I was not addicted to coffee because I don't get super epic cravings or anything. But like... The first 24 hours, so it's fine. Perfectly fine. The Within 48 hours, I was so freaking tired. Mm-hmm. Um, and that lasted like a good couple of hours and I needed to go to bed super early. And then the next day I had the same thing. And then it sort of like died down maybe yesterday, which was day four. And now day five, I'm like feeling like neutral again. Wow. And I think the weirdest thing about this is that I would never in a million years have considered myself to be a coffee addict. But what I have done for a very long period of time is do a specific thing over and over and over again without fail for a couple of years. So the actual process of just taking that one thing out of my system, my body is fully reacting to it. Yeah, isn't that And funny? it's nuts. And have you been sleeping like a boss? I've been sleeping like a freaking boss. That's amazing. So amazing. I even want to have naps. <gasps> Whoa. I yeah, love a good nap. Which is like, it's so exciting for me. That is a big change given how you've been the last, there's been no sleep happening the last 12 months. It's yeah, been, it's been pretty shitty. But It's been hectic. Yeah. I um, I was speaking to you about my experience giving up caffeine oh, maybe 10 years ago, mm. 9, 10 years ago. I had a false start because I thought green tea was caffeine free. So I was just smashing that and thinking like, I'm amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out quite caffeine-y. But then, yeah, I eventually got there, eventually got caffeine free. And I remember waking up one morning, just like zen, like floating through to the kitchen. Are you still caffeine free? No, absolutely not. But (laughs) I've I've stopped coffee in the morning recently. I've gone tea in the morning instead. Yeah, I'm definitely really interested to see what the next couple of days are going to be like. Like whether I get some sort of energy back, but it's not coffee related. Well, the whole ritual part of it is so important oh, as well. Yeah. Like, I, I go to bed sometimes getting excited about having the coffee Same. in the morning. <laughs> Same. <laughs> and I love making the perfect coffee, like, mm. with the creamer on the top. Um, So, like, the decaf, actually, I mean, I'm not, like, a mega coffee expert, but I'm not finding it super gross. It's so okay. There you go. Well, it's not that bad. It's just people, I think, they, oh, mm, is, it, is it, is it, or is it? There could be some kind of weird masculine thing in there it's like drinking light beer or something it's just like oh decaf you know like, oh, you it's doing? not coffee it's not coffee yeah. you know coffee. if you just don't say those words and just drink it then it's you know like, what hey, it's guess all right what? i'd rather have a sleep yeah exactly <laughs> yeah actually <laughs> this whole sleeping thing is quite a good time <laughs> uh, i tried getting off coffee for a wee while i got headaches Mm. I did. I got the headaches. Yeah, the headaches. Mm. And bad time. I tried to swap it out with dandelion tea, which I actually quite like the taste of, but a lot of people are just like, what the? Um, yeah, that is quite funny. I got really into rooibos. 
Oh. Uh, Roy, I'm, no one's really sure how that's pronounced. Roy Boss or Roy Redbush or like Roy Boss or something. Probably all those options. <laughs> all, anyone, quite right, no, none of know, those. None of the above. <laughs> we can look it up later and then. Got quite ourselves. into chamomile too. <laughs> chamomile's chamomile. nice. Yeah. yeah, chamomile's good. And you're, but you're you're also going to the gym and eating quite well as well, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I'm taking heaps of vitamins and oh, stuff like that. Yeah, I'm just. Also being gluten-free this week as well. But, you know. Oh, you're doing the whole <laughs> thing. Jesus I, can't, I can't wait for you to go keto. What's uh, It could happen. Keto. What's that? It is another form of diet. It's, uh, is it a diet or is it just like it? Because diet has kind of weird connotations, doesn't it? It is a way of it's a style of eating. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a di- it's a way... It's, it's, not, it's not a rapid weight loss system. It's a, no. it's a diet. A it's diet like a can also mean thing. the things you eat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's like paleo, except without all the bad branding. Yeah. You know, Sarah and I have been reading a lot of Sonia Renee Taylor, so we're just like, what <laughs> diet? Yeah. What? <laughs> Omg! <laughs> Don't you drop that word into in the bin? <laughs> That's cool that your body is feeling better. Well and you're done. being able to well, sleep. Doing, well done. Yeah, I'm on a journey. Am I allowed to like congratulate you on your body journey? Like, <laughs> thanks, babe. Yeah, I'd love that. Okay, cool. Bring it on. I, I, for, <laughs> oh, I thought uh, you were going to say more congratulations. No. Oh, okay. Right, well, 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 I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'll balance it out by not congratulating. <laughs> oh fuck <Anyway>. you. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you talking to today, Sarah? I'm talking to Dominic Coey, aka Tourette's. Hey. Ah. He is an author, poet, and podcaster and musician podcaster yeah well he was try not to try not to fuck it up (laughs) hello everyone hi dom hey dude they're really taking ages to leave (laughs) okay they're gone now awesome so the first question is um who are you and what do you do uh so my name's dominic holly i used to be a rapper but i sort of aged out of that and i'm a poet novelist playwright and I'm also an arts mentor working with marginalised youth to help them feel better about themselves and have a better life, hopefully. So one thing that I did notice when I was reading about about you is that you seem to be epically diverse in what you have produced and are into. Yeah, I guess with the art forms, it's sort of like, I guess once you can write, it's quite easy to sort of move through the different art forms. Sure. And I was always like, you know, like I guess my main thing I always wanted to be was a rapper and that kind of lead to doing poetry and but I'd, I'd always really interested in film and plays and all that other stuff as well and doing a novel and and then I sort of got to the point through rapping and that I was like oh I can actually write now and so I should try and do these other things and here we are. Yeah and I guess sometimes too when you're doing creative stuff and you try a different kind of platform that you're already had a little bit of experience and it kind of can push you creatively in new directions. Yeah, totally. And so, like, I think from, you know, like, getting good at poetry really helped with the rapping as well and, and, and the playwriting is obviously, like, because I, I, I wrote my first novel and then I wrote a play and now I'm writing my second novel and from doing the play, it just helped so much. I've learned so much for this, for this new novel. It's like, I think it's so much tighter structurally and stuff from what I learned from doing the play. So it's interesting how things sort of cross-pollinate like that. Yeah, and there's like that kind of dynamicness. Like they, they all have a bit mm. of a relationship with each other, almost. Yeah, totally. So you've recently released a book called Iceland. Yeah, so it came out last year. It's done really well, which has been awesome because I like writing it. I, was, I don't even know if there's going to be a release, let alone how it's going to be received. But yes, yeah, it's, it's sold really well, and people really liked it. And I think that most importantly, the people or the communities who I wanted, I was hoping that it would connect with it has. So that's people, I guess, um, that grew up where the book is set, which is in Greyland, which is 
a good gentrified community, um, but also, I guess, people that are going through gentrification in different parts of New Zealand or overseas even have gone touch and see that really connected with them. And I think also just in its um, portrayal of like working class people mm. and artists and what their life is like. And, and yeah, because I just felt like there wasn't really many examples of people telling those stories. And so I felt like I really wanted to do something I really wanted to do. So with your creative process, where do you start? Um, I guess it's different with a different art form. So with yeah. poetry, it's more like whatever sort of keeps coming up in my mind. So it quite often tends to be either something political or something that sort of affected me personally. So whether that's sure. my disease or my love life or whatever the thing is. Um, yeah. But with the novel, I guess they're more like you have a sort of broader idea because it's so vast that Iceland, I just knew that I wanted to tell the sort of... I basically wanted to create a group of friends that could be sort of like like the group of friends that I had, I suppose, 10 years ago, but sort of slightly removed so that it, was, mm. it would have been possible for us to coexist in this area without necessarily knowing each other. And just, yeah, I guess just explore um, and maybe highlight, like... So the main character, Hamish, the, the female... and Sorry, the male protagonist, because he's a male and female protagonist, but the male protagonist is he's like a criminal and he's quite violent and he's really poor but I wanted to sort of show how people can be like that but still be good people you know and like what leads people to be like that because I think so often you know people just get written off you know like um, and no one sort of tries to examine the reasons why totally um, they end up so dysfunctional by, by we, I mean the broader, the broader we. Yeah, the and that life is we. dynamic and, and complicated. It's not just... Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So you, you also created a theatre show as well, which I was like, what the hell? This guy is an author, a poet. You've been a podcaster and a musician, and you've also recently done a theatre show. Is that correct? Yeah, I did a one-man show. Um, well, I said it's a one-man show, but actually um, it was actually like a huge group effort, but... It's mainly me on stage, but also um, the woman who's doing the tech, Ruby Rehana. She she has a similar condition to what I have, so she um, ended up being part of the play, and it was um, which is really awesome. And I worked with uh, this incredible director called Misha Madden, who's this really amazing feminist um, director, and then a producer called Taylor McGregor, who sort of brought everyone together. So yeah, it's one of those things. Mm-hmm. I think rapping was like that too, where it's sort of like. It, it seems like it's just you, but actually it's like a whole army of people behind yeah. it. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. And for the listener, um, so the the condition that you're referring to is, uh, can you can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's an autoimmune disease called ankylosing spondylitis. And basically my body thinks that, uh, I, I think, I just might not even be right, but it's, what I, it's quite complicated, but I think my body thinks that my bones are like a foreign agent, so it attacks them. Right. And then my bones start fusing together. So I've sort of lost most of the movement in my neck now and it's sort of slowly moving down my spine and in my hips and stuff. So, yeah, long term you lose a lot of mobility and right. a lot of pain, like there's constant pain. And so the the theatre show it was about your journey with that? Yeah, so it was about getting sick and sort of like, so I, basically I got sick and I was pretty much bedridden for six months and yeah. lost my job and couldn't perform anymore. So, so I sort of just kind of lost my life, I guess. So it's sort of yeah. about that happening and then reclaiming that and getting that back. And but it's a comedy, even though it sounds really, <laughs> um, bleak, but it's, yeah, it's a lot of comedy in there. Because awesome. it is, I mean, it, it is funny, as you know. Like, well, life is funny, right? I mean, you know, it's weird and it has turns and you learn stuff. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
so this this question that I have for you, the first kind of body-related question, what is the most hilarious, or it doesn't even have to be hilarious, just a lie that you feel you've been told about having a body? I don't know. I mean, I guess there's kind of like just that expectation of like, what, like a, you know, like a normal body, quote unquote, or, a, you know, a, how, a, how your body's supposed to be, you know, um, you know, whether that's like, I guess, I guess obviously with men and women, it's quite different, but also as a man, you know, you're supposed to be tall and you're supposed to have abs and all those kind of sort of things. And like, even though my whole life I've been involved in usually quite um, progressive circles and communities, it still kind of weasels its way in, you know? I know I was kind of, I had this weird thing where I was, so I'm, I mean, I'm reasonably short, but I was the height I am now at 11. So I was the tallest kid in my school. Oh, yeah. And so then I stopped growing and everyone got taller than me. But I think, like, I didn't really even notice that I was short. It was this weird thing. Yeah. And I just remember one time when I was about 18, someone being like, I'm taller than you. I'm like, no, you're not. And then they measured it. And then they realized that everyone in the room was taller than me. <laughs> And the whole time I'm still thinking I'm the tallest. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think it's super weird as well because bodies are obviously super diverse and there is no right or wrong. <laughs> so why are we? Why why do we have to have this strange kind of narrative like being flung at us about how a body should be? Do you think as a as a man there are specific things that are pointed towards your gender? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think obviously it's not it's nowhere near as extreme as is for women and I think like something that someone said to me was that the, the ideal for men for most men is more not easily attainable but it is more attainable than what the ideal is for women oh right yeah and obviously that's you know I mean for some men it's completely unattainable hmm. so I think it's kind of different in that way but yeah I think and, and I think it's definitely it seems to be getting more prevalent that's like the amount of guys that you meet who are just going to the gym and training like athletes, but it's like the, the graphic designer or something. And it's kind of. <laughs> I just have to go to my office, but you know, I definitely yeah, I mean, need abs. That's what you want to do. <laughs> but as long as it's like healthy and and yeah, I don't know. Like I know a few guys who admit when they're when they're drunk or when they're being emotional, being open that they do have body dysmorphia. You know, like because they are like ripped and got six packs and stuff, and they still feel that kind of guilt around it and stuff. But I think it's just that there's, for both genders, there's money being made for from your um, suffering. And so that that's why it's always going to be prevalent, you know, under capitalism. Do you feel like there's any way we can skip out from these? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, mean, I guess other than a sort of, other than a sort of revolution, I think, like, I think, well, one thing I think about a lot, actually, and I think about this today on the plane because I was like in front of my seat. Someone had left like a uh, like a new idea, one of those kind of like just trashy magazines. Oh, yeah. And I was just looking through it, and just how like everything in there was negative, you know, and everything in there was sort of base and shallow. And I was thinking, and I've thought about this before that like what you put in, so what you read, what you watch, what you listen to, um, is the same as you know, it's like a mental diet. And I think that that obviously has a massive effect. Yeah, that's a really cool idea, actually. It's kind of like mental nutrition. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I mean, and obviously not saying that everyone should just be sitting around reading um, really dense literature or something, but I think that you should, I think it's it's important to be aware as well of what you're consuming and the norms that they're projecting. Even who you're hanging out with, who you're surrounding yourself with. 
you know, the kinds of energies yeah. that people are given off, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think, like, just trying to find spaces and communities where people just aren't concerned with that bullshit, you know, because they do yeah. exist. And, yeah. you know, um, I've been lucky that I've been parts of different ones at times. But then also I've been parts of ones where there has been, like, pressure to conform, you know? Mm. This is a more a bit more of a tricky question. Have you had any difficult experiences relating to your body that you'd like to share? When I was a teenager in the 90s, um, it was very cool to be sort of like emaciated and like gaunt and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, I wasn't like fat or anything, but I was like always kind of stocky. So I couldn't really fit into that. And I'm, I was always kind of quite hairy as well. So I guess there was that sort of thing. So there was sort of that for a little while. But then um, I got into, when I was like really into punk music and that was... The type of time music I was, in was really into was really about rejecting all of that. So I think I was really lucky that I found that. You know, and also um, I had some older friends who were um, feminists and they sort of would always talk about body image and all that stuff. And, it, and so then I sort of realised that, I guess I was talking about before, that there was like sort of market forces and there's mm. a reason why this is, these things exist and it's not just as vacuum. Because, you know, when you're young, you think that, you know, whatever you're feeling, whether it's feeling bad about your body or whatever it is, that you're the only one feeling that and that something's wrong with you. Whereas, you know, when you realise that it's a societal thing, I guess it becomes easier to sort of process. And I think also you can start to, like, deconstruct these norms as well and be like, ah, actually... They're just kind of a bit of a myth. They're not really real things. Totally, They're yeah. these things that are forced upon you, so that can kind of help unravel the pressure, I think, of them. When you start to go, oh, they're not necessarily, you know, a real thing that you need to participate in. Yeah, I think that's incredibly free. And so with the, the punk scene and stuff, how did that how did that help out, do you think? Um, I guess just that it was just so many ideas, you know, like, I think a lot of things are actually in the mainstream now were actually floating around then. You know, like a lot of ideas around, you know, even just things like safe spaces and mm. trying not to trigger people and all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, I'm not necessarily people using that terminology, but those kind of ideas, things around animal rights and all that kind of stuff, you know, like veganism was pretty popular then and it's only really entered the mainstream in the last few years. Yeah. Um, so I think that that way there's just all these ideas floating around and like any scene there were like kind of idiots and stuff but there were also a lot of people that were super smart and progressive and they're just like oh, don't worry about that you know like these are you know you should be worrying about this this stuff's important you know like it's usually political stuff yeah and taking and taking sort of like ownership of um, what you wanted to do as an artist which is something that's helped me like you know it's been invaluable for me to do the things I've done it sounds like identities really important to you yeah i guess so I, i'm always too cautious though because i don't want to get into that thing where um you don't want to get too uh it's really easy to be um quite self-absorbed as an artist and, and bogged so I, down with language <laughs> of who you are and what you it means to be you yeah and also like you know this is like the third interview i've done in two weeks right so that's a lot of talking about myself and i think it's very easy especially when you're promoting something i mean like over a month you might do 10 20 interviews yeah. so it's very easy to sort of be like oh i'm you know, I'm special and stuff. And I guess that's why the yeah. work with the kids is really good because yeah. it snaps you out of that and it's suddenly it's not about you. And in fact, if you do bring your ego into that space, you, yeah. you're not an effective mentor. Yeah, I guess just what I've observed from listening to you is it definitely seems you've been like on a learning journey, <laughs> you know what I mean, about yourself and where like you fit yeah. and who's, you know, good for you and where you learn and even just with, um, you know, navigating all of the different formats that you work with, it seems like you're kind of on a little journey <laughs> and, and, and towards maybe some sort of understanding of yourself or identity. But I could be wrong. Yeah, 
<laughs> no, no, I, I, I know what you mean. I mean, I think like also because I don't really have much of a formal education that that was more, you know, which maybe that's a journey that other people would do. Especially sure. if you've got a PhD or something, you might do that at university, whereas I guess I did it through art, you know? Yeah. Or working in shitty kitchens. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the coolest thing about being in your body? Um, well, despite the fact that I'm sort of um, sick and have all these ailments and stuff, my body's actually like, you know, like I go to a personal trainer and, and try and walk and run and do as much exercise as I can that mm. my body will allow. And my body's actually responds really well to that, you know, and I've been, so I've been quite lucky like that because I'm 41 now and like, makes you in better shape than a lot of people my age yeah, who aren't totally. sick, you know? Yeah, I've been quite fortunate like that. Um, and I think also probably being vegan and being reasonably healthy before I got sick really yeah, helped. What, what spurred you on to be vegan? Oh, I started, so I started, I guess, all that time ago when I was into punk rocks, when I was like yeah. 14 or whatever. Um, and so that was just one of the things that, yeah, people would, you know, everyone was talking, everyone was either vegetarian or vegan and I started being vegetarian and I started reading more about it and just realizing that if, for the reasons why I was vegetarian, you there's no real point as far as like sort of limiting the suffering of animals, sure. um, the environmental degradation of industrialized farming and all that kind of stuff. So, and then I didn't really know about the health impacts of it until I was a bit older. Does it make you feel better or do you not know because you've been doing it for like ages? I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think, like I say, like I know people who have my disease who aren't vegan and a lot of them are a lot sicker than I am, and, and, it, and it's one of those diseases that affects even differently, so it might mm-hmm. just be coincidence. But I do think that, um, I mean, even the rheumatologists who are not into veganism at all, but they do say cut out dairy and yeah. if you can and stuff like that, limit meat, so yeah, there's definitely something in there. Yeah, I reckon. I'm totally into nutrition, and I think it's important. I'm not vegan like you, though. I should probably give it a whirl. Yeah, well, it's pretty easy these days. I think the main thing is that if you know, anyone listening that wants to try it is just to um, take it quite seriously, especially at first, yeah. because, um, you know, if you just suddenly cut a whole lot of stuff out or if you try and replicate the diet that you had before you were vegan, that's where you can get into trouble because you can eat all that sort of, all those um, meat substitutions and stuff, which are fine every so often, but you don't want to be eating those all the time. Yeah. And you want to get some, um, make sure you're getting all your nutrition, but it's not that hard. Um, so how do you feel that we can be allies for each other in this world? I guess, like, and I'm not saying that I'm perfect at this at all, but something that I, I try a lot to do is to defer in situations to people, whether that's, you know, like, you know how men often speak of a woman. So, sure. you know, so you might be in a situation where you, you know, defer and that like that. But, um, or if there, but even just if there's someone in the room who's quiet, you know what I mean? Like, just trying to give other people a voice, and I think when you do, like, I'm lucky enough now as an artist to have a bit of a profile and a platform, is just to bring people up with you and let them also, you know, bring them up rather, because I see so many people just kick the ladder out. Mm. So that's something I'm really big on, yeah, is, you know, just trying to give other people that exposure and sort of so that they don't have to make all the mistakes that you made because you can just be like, hey, just yeah. jump to this bit. And then you can put all that energy you would have put getting here into your creativity. And, and that's how I guess we grow as a, community this is like amplifying um, others but also it sounds like supporting people as well on a yeah yeah to go yeah, through the I learning process a, yeah and i think as a as a man like there's just i'm not i just i guess i just try to um what's the word you know just always like check your conditioning you know like think well am i behaving this way because i'm conditioned like that and and just try to sort of 
push back against that. I mean, because I, I totally, you know, I, I totally believe masculinity is just a construct. But it's, you know, but I think it's so ingrained. It's hard to sort of sometimes be like, am I doing this because this is what I want to do, or is it because this is what I've been sort of um, brought up to believe I should do? And there's a really great documentary actually um, that we show the kids that we work with called um, the Feminist and Cell Block Why. And it's yeah. a guy in prison in the states who's um, using feminism like bell hooks and stuff to sort of teach um, all these prisoners, he's a prisoner as well, a lot of the reason why they're in there is because of the patriarchy and how that sort of affects men and how like this idea that, because even oftentimes when people are trying to be positive about masculinity, they're actually reinforcing negative ideas or even, mm-hmm. so, you know, like that idea that you've got to protect and provide be a good man, you know, but it's like, well, what if you can't protect? What if you yeah. um, don't have the means to provide for people? Well, you don't want to, you know, and I think that those things can be really detrimental as well. Totally. Um, and what even is a good man? <laughs> like, you know, oh, it's, just, it's, it's, it's just nonsense, you know. But I guess what you're saying is amplifying other people's voices is super important so do you work with young people yeah i work for um, an organization called the kindness institute and we have a program called artify where we work with um 10 uh, teenagers between ages of 13 and 17 we teach them meditation and yoga and also arts and um just support them and the program goes for two years so we meet up once a month and then we have two intensive classes as well that run for a whole week um so over a year yeah, it's pretty incredible work. Like, it's been really life-changing for me. Like, definitely the best thing that I do in my life. That's amazing. I love um, the I love the title, The Kindness Institute. Yeah, no, it's run by um, my ex-partner, Christina Caver, who's this, like, super human, this really amazing woman who um, just uses... I mean, she's exactly, exactly as an example of someone who... She was raised, you know, she went to really good schools and she had, like, you know, like a really good upbringing and she's used all of that to help and, like you say, amplify the voices of um, other people that wouldn't have had those experiences. Sure. And, um, yeah, she's, like, a really incredible leader. So it's, it's such an... Like, if anyone wants to check it out, go to Kindness Institute. I think it's .com or .nz and can read about it. Sounds amazing. I only ended up doing that work because I got sick because I was like, because I often talk about how like being sick, it, it does have its benefits. And I think one of them was I had to slow down my life and I was sort of an invalid basically. And I was on a sickness benefit. And then I was going to yoga and and then through that, I met this woman who ran this other arts organization. And then I ended up working for them and getting on this journey. Do you feel like the experience of being in your body whilst you're sick and that potentially it's opened you up to different opportunities and viewing things in a different way that is positive for you yeah definitely I mean I think I'm just such a different person like everyone's always saying oh you're so much nicer now which I'm just like oh what was I like before but it does change your perspective I mean I thought I was going to die at one point and then I think also just having to slow everything down so much and just being part of the health system because like you know I'm like going to doctors every month and being blood tested every three weeks and been all these crazy drugs and it's just really humbling you know what I mean there's Mm. no again you can't really bring your ego into those situations so yeah I think there's definitely a lot of positives I mean you know obviously I like to think that I could have arrived there without getting sick but who knows it's funny isn't it because we all have a body and and like we all could be on a different trajectory to yeah anyway we're all on a different journey like in our bodies and and they're like fragile things you know Uh, and I I sometimes think there's quite a lot of I don't know there's a real binary around uh how we are in our bodies isn't like if if you're having an experience where you are unwell or something that this is a super super bad thing and if you're able and and super healthy this, this is a really good thing but I really would like to get away from thinking in that way 
because I think like you were just saying uh, there, there is lots about this journey that has been interesting and and uh, like learning for you and and there are positives. That's what I'm saying, I guess. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, definitely, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now as an artist. I, I don't think I'd be having the successes I'm having now had I not got sick, to be honest. Wow, so what's on the cards for you next, Dominic? Um, so I'm about halfway through a new novel, so that's, that's been really fun. That's enjoying awesome. that, And I've got a new poetry book, which is kind of almost done. And then I want to do another play as well, so I've got a few ideas for that. You're um, so productive. I wish I had a little bit of this like <laughs> productive energy that you have. Oh, uh, it's just I just it's just guilt. You're just gonna make yourself feel guilty for not doing oh, okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but also, it's kind of all I do. Like I work um, ten hours a week, and then that's that's all. I, and then everything yeah. else is just creative stuff. So I'm pretty fortunate in that respect. But also, I guess like even when I was working, like I used to be um, a chef and working kitchens and horrible, but even then, I just, any spare time I had, I was like, you have to create because I knew that it was my way to have a sort of different life, if you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so, and, and also, it's just like the only thing I really liked doing, like the thing that I've always wanted to do, I guess. And I'm actually doing it now, which is just feels crazy. Like sometimes, I'll, you know, you just sort of almost have to pinch yourself. <laughs> you must be really proud of like where you've, where you've gotten. I mean, it's pretty, pretty amazing stuff. I mean, I've, on my notes here, I've got that you've, uh, I got four critically acclaimed studio albums and two, uh, two poetry books and a and a novel, <laughs> like and a theatre show, and you're mm. a podcaster. Like that's pretty rad. Yeah, well, I guess that's a good thing about getting older, right? Is that things start to stack up, and yeah. I think if you just stick with things, yeah. Like I teach creative writing to um, people as well, and I just say to them, it's just like you, you just have to stick with it, and. Because I think that's the biggest thing I see is that people, they'll work, you know, they'll do something for three months and then they'll give up and then I'll yeah. start again six months later and they'll give up. But if, if you just keep going consistently through that time, mm. I mean, I think that's when you start to get that momentum and that's what you and really you need. you learn on the job too, I think, when you're a creative. You know, it's oh, like hard, yeah. even just with your aesthetic and, and who you are and how you roll and what you want to communicate in the world. And getting that voice, evolving. eh? Mm. Definitely. In that style. So one last question, and this is a tricky one, mm-hmm. and you can opt out if you don't want to answer it, but um, what are you most proud of as a as a person in this world? I guess just creating work that has inspired people or has made people feel better about it. So whether it's like the play, I know a lot of sick people said that it really spoke to them or some of the political poetry I've done, people have said that it sort of made them feel less um, alone and mm. You know, because the work that's spoken to me throughout my life has always been that as well. And just to be sort of an artist that's doing that, it feels really special because for a long time, you know, I didn't have the ability to do that. Like I was trying to do that, but I didn't really have the talent yet. So, yeah, I feel pretty, pretty lucky that that's what I'm doing with my life. And one last question, Crocs or dad sandals? <laughs> what are dad sandals? I like those, um, those those sandals with holes in the middle bit, and they have like toggles and stuff. Oh, I don't know, man. Maybe Crocs, <laughs> I guess. I used to have to wear Crocs in the kitchen. Did so. you? I actually think yeah. Crocs are kind of cool. They're not. They're not. In this really <laughs> horrible way, like they're so horrendous that, like, I don't know. I feel like maybe they can they could go over to the other side, but maybe not. Isn't it crazy that slides are fashionable now? <laughs> I know. Speaking I think I would choose slides over Crocs or Dan's, Dad Sandals any day of the week. Yeah. Now, slides are awesome. <laughs> I'll go get slides. 
Uh, hello, it's B, it's Mike. I'm interrupting the podcast for a second. I hope you don't mind. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Um, we really enjoyed making it and um, putting it all together. Uh, by now, of course, you know that we are here to celebrate all bodies because all bodies are cool bodies, even bodies that are currently filled with a cold like mine is. But anyway, you can help us spread this message and activate real change by donating to us. Um, anything you're able to donate will help us create a second season of Cool Bodies Club. God, wouldn't that be fantastic? Amazing, just imagine it. And it'll expand our general plans for world domination. If you have anything you can afford to donate, whatever you've got is amazing. Um, you can go to coolbodies.club um, slash donate, um, smash the old donate button and fill in the little form. It's all very clever. Sarah did that. Um, and you can uh, donate whatever you can. If you can give us something on an ongoing basis, that would be even better. Um, but whatever you can do would be amazing and will help us carry on and uh, make a second season. Uh, okay, let's carry on, shall we? Into the bin. What are you putting in the bin today, Dom? All right, so I was going to put in a phrase where, um, you know, people on social media say, this is everything or just this, and then post oh. something. And it irritates me. <laughs> Probably it's irrational, and I know that's probably just because I'm a middle-aged man. No, man. And, um, I'm, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm so just being with a fucking you. old man yelling at clouds. Mike looks like he's going to um, pee his pants. Yeah, I'm so with you. It's, it's a picture. Yeah. It's I can see it. I can fucking visualize it. It's a picture or a video, and it's just this. The word this with yeah. a full stop. I'm so with you. Why is it so draining? Is oh, it because annoying. you have to do... I guess it's just like... The word I, I, It always really... And, you know what really annoys me is when people are just lazy of language, obviously because I'm a writer mm. and fucking nerd. But like, <laughs> so it's just like when everyone starts like saying the same thing. And social media is so bad for that. And it's just like, come on, you've got an individual personality. Think of your own thing to say. Mm. But they don't. You know? They're just like, I'm too lazy. I belong to the internet generation. Totally, but I know that's totally counterintuitive to social media and what it's about, and it just drives me insane. You know what? I think it, I've even muted people on social media if they do <laughs> For this, for overuse of this, for thising. Is it because it puts yeah. the onus on you to do the work, and you're like, you do some of the bloody work? Yeah, I just think I don't know conformity. I don't know. It's just a bit lazy. It's a bit ugly, and and I always just feel like even though. My philosophy friends always say that slippery slope doesn't exist, but I feel like it's a slippery slope. I kind of love that you um, describe conformity as ugly. I think that's quite beautiful. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> um, what is a, a slippery slope down to? Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm being um, melodramatic, but I do think that, like, kind of like groupthink. And I think one of the arguments against the left, which maybe has some validity, is that people have, you know, the left has got more group thinking than it used to be. And I think the right still totally is as well. And this is something that you know, people on the right always go, but what about this? You know, but, and not necessarily that the left sort of eating itself has got anything to do with people saying this on photos on Instagram. But... Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> it's it's right know. there. It's <laughs> my, um, my, t- my take on it, if I may interject, is that it's not the laziness of it. It's the, just in my opinion, it's the almost plagiarism of it. It's just like taking <laughs> something that is someone else's and going, this... Like, it's just like, I can't even put into words how much you should think that this is all my own doing. Or you know what I mean? Like, because I like this, I'm... 
I've I'm own, something I own else. It. I own this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Is that unfair or is that taking it? Is that overreading <laughs> it? Or? I don't know. It's probably just me. Like I say, just being a grumpy old man. Well, uh, that's what I, I feel like I'm with you on that, though. <laughs> like, I, feel I like guess you're, yeah, you're totally grumpy. allowed to be a grumpy old man, though. People. What is that feeling when they post the word this? Like, I can feel what that person is doing. Like, what is that feeling that... You know, well, pers- sometimes, I think, the other, I guess the other thing is sometimes someone will post something political, which, I'm, which are, you know, I might even agree with, but then it, it makes it kind of condescending because it's sort of mm-hmm. like... You should you just must know. pay attention to this, and I guess that's good. But I feel like you know, like because so much of my work's political, and I feel like what I've learned is that you really have to give, you have to be kind of gentle in a way, and give someone some sort of what's the word like honey with your medicine or whatever. <laughs> um, and you can't just be like you're stupid, you don't understand, and this is why, and this is going to educate you or whatever. Is it um, is it mainly when it's with something political that it bugs you? No, no, it just bugs me in general. But I'm just saying that's part of it. Uh, <laughs> well, it's very presumptive presumptuous is that you'll get the understanding from the thing that they're posting Mm. it's like weirdly opting out as well because you're like when you're just like oh yeah this it's like I'm just going to agree with this, but I'm not going to do any of my own thinking. I'm trying to think of, um, <laughs> trying to think what the precursors to that were or like synonyms for that might be. Like um, I'm imagining a picture with just like, you know, just going to leave this here, you know, at the end of a, of a thread, you know, this is, this is my TED talk. Yeah. <laughs> but the TED talk one, the TED talk one, that would have been the first time someone did that would have been fucking hilarious, right? Like, that's actually quite clever. Well, yeah. Like, just going to leave this TED Talk here. Just watch this one. <laughs> yeah, the first There's time... There's going to be, like, so many um, young people listening to this just rolling their eyes, like, what the fuck? <laughs> 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 but what do you want from those people? Like, what would help rather than just... Oh, like, they, don't need, they don't need to do anything for me. I'm, like I say, I'm just, like, complaining. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think um, social media is inherently fucked you know and i just don't Amen. i think by virtue you know what i mean but oh. i think by virtue of the way it's set up you know and i think obviously you know my whole career exists because i have social media you know like like i sold as many books online as i did myself on instagram as i did at the shops but i think i've learned more about like what other people go through especially around mental health and stuff and through twitter but at the same time it's like oh my god like yeah is, I feel like Twitter's like people yelling, like it's like people's subconscious or like internal voice yelling at you just <laughs> today. Twitter's oh, hectic. Jesus, it's like people's brain just plopped out and they just started to yell yeah. at everybody with little 140 characters. Oh, it's two just... Keep up. What? Oh, is fuck. I, don't, I avoid doubled. Twitter at all costs. Um, do you think that this thing is virtue signaling? I'm very weary. I'm very weary of that word because I just, all that concept. Yeah. I just feel like the first few times I heard it was all kind of like right wing kind of fucking weirdos saying it. And I just feel like, I mean, obviously there are heaps of people that, you know, use movements and ideologies and awesome progressive stuff to get attention. But I do also think that it is a way that people use to shut down people who are doing stuff for completely legitimate reasons. I have to agree with you on that because I feel like with the virtue signaling thing, I've watched a couple of videos and I might not fully understand it, but it sounds like it's a thing where you're trying to say that you're all virtuous and, and, well, it's and, like and going, woke and stuff. It's like me and my gay friend, like, 
you're dropping I'm, in the gay. I'm, rather I'm than into just... diversity. I'm into being yeah. woke. I'm a smart person. Blah, blah, blah. I went to watch a movie but... which was directed by a gay person. Yeah. That's how yeah, fucking I, I get I am. it. But also, I don't know. Therefore, like, I have nothing else to do I or prove. I feel like that's a small number of people and i think if we get really focused on that that it could be quite detrimental to moving forward yeah i don't know enough about it to really um comment on record (laughs) yeah i'm just i'm just really wary of terms i guess that um or phrases or ideas that can be used to shut conversations down you know Mm, so can i just um bring something back would you rather put the word virtue signaling in the bin Oh, fuck you. Let's put both of them in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's wrap this up. So virtue, virtue signaling, we're into putting that bin. in the bin? Yeah. Okay, cool. And, and also this. Where did we start? This. <laughs> this. This. Oh, this is everything. This oh, is my everything. God. Right. Okay, what I want to see on your um, in- internets um, is just a JPEG of the words virtue signaling, and then underneath you have to post the word this. <laughs> <laughs> and then the circle will be complete. Cool stuff. Now we lead into the part of the journey of this podcast where um, we're interested in hearing just something cool that you're into, like just something that <laughs> like, something okay. that you love. Uh, yeah, I don't moment. know if that's the right. Are we playing Red Dead Redemption on the PlayStation? Ooh. <laughs> Mike has perked up. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm listening. This has been, um, this has been fun because I was just like, I got, I made some money off my courses, and I was like. I might buy something for myself and then bought anything in like 10 years. And then, yeah, I used to like playing computer games. So I got one and it's, yeah, it's been cool. Because I, I normally watch heaps of movies and I was just like, I'll do this instead for a while. Just cool. be, be in a movie for a bit. How are you finding now? Because I've read a couple of things. I've not actually played it. I've been a bit off computer games for a wee while. How do you feel about Red Dead Redemption in terms of women and empowerment and all this kind of thing? Have you got any thoughts? Um, it's funny you say that because as soon as I got it, someone brought up that whole thing because there's like assholes like killing women in it and stuff like that. Um, the, well, there's suffragettes in it. Uh, Oh, and you can you can gun them down if you want, you know. <laughs> like you can get a sandbox game, you can gun down whoever you want. But there are people having a really good time gunning down suffragettes. And that's Holy that's quite shit. confronting. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess though that's the nature of the game. Though, right? If it's open ended and you're a fuckwit, then you can be a fuckwit. Like, mm. the, the problem is with gaming. To, to, I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty green to it. But from from the outside, it looks like the problem is, is that it costs so much money to make those games that they're always going to be sort of a reflection of the status quo, you know? So it's always going to have all this bullshit, macho, gun, money. You know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's, I guess it's only really in the indie gaming that you're going to find games that actually have progressive kind of ideas and or even just strange ideas. Mm. Um, the problem was that people were making videos of themselves being assholes and putting it on the internet. And yeah, so that's, that's the thing that I have a problem with. I think in a gaming situation, it's kind of like whatever. Like, mm. I don't know. I don't, I don't believe in that kind of thing where people are like, oh, but children will play violent games and become violent and you know like because that's obviously been kind of disproven you know because our generation grew up playing all those crazy violent video games and i don't know yeah we're great (laughs) high fives i think that what is the cool bit of this is the time that you've given yourself that is absolutely true self-care self-care yeah yeah definitely and it's just something like i don't know i just it's something I've been wanting to do for ages and like just by virtue of being an artist, like all my money goes back into being an artist. Yeah. And so I, like I actually managed to save some money for the first time kind of ever. And then I was yeah. just like, yeah, I'd, you know, after paying off all my debts and stuff, I had a bit left. So I was like, oh, you know. 
That's amazing. And that's, there's, there's something really important in that. It's like sometimes you just want to, you're just like, you know what? I did a thing. I've done a good job. I'm going to reward myself. I'm going to buy a thing I want. Yeah. Do you know what my go-to is when I'm feeling like I want to reward myself? A Subway. It's a Subway sandwich. <laughs> it's a foot-long BMT. A Subway sandwich. Yeah, man. i got to have oh, a Subway. Oh, it's a lot cheaper than a PlayStation. Well, yeah, I know, but I eat quite a lot of them, so cumulatively. <laughs> Mike's just like, when we're, he's like, I'm just going to do self-care and just buy myself a little Subway. <laughs> It's legit. It's legit. That's how I look after myself. When I used to be on tour in the 90s, it was the only vegan thing you could get. And so it would just be like on the road for two weeks just eating Subway. And you know, I kept on the main scene. Yeah, it was so much Subway. At least it's got like lettuce and like it feels like the healthier option, I guess, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's got a lot of veggies in it, but the bread's got a lot of sugar in it. Yeah. You know? So, you know. At least it would have kept you awake for tour. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Dom. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. Anytime. Toodaloo. Thanks. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to Cool Bodies Club. This has been our first episode. Wasn't that exciting? Thank you very much um, to our guest, Dominic Hoey, a.k.a. Tourette's, for being an absolute boss. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with any of us, you can find us on Instagram at Cool Bodies Club, uh, on Twitter at Cool Bodies Club, or or you can email hi at coolbodies.club um, and once more if you enjoy what we do and you want to hear more of it specifically if you want to hear a second season then please do head over to coolbodies.club hit that donate button and give us whatever you can afford you know what would be even more amazing if you can do something on a monthly basis just that helps us be a little bit more sustainable and know what's happening it's a bit boring but it's it's, it's kind of it's good stuff it's what I live for um, if you can't give cash then there's other things you can do to help us out you can be a total boss and an ally by subscribing or by leaving a review on iTunes or by just telling your friends to subscribe so that even more people can join our club. And um, we'll be back on the last Monday of next month, uh, the last Monday of every month. And until then, thank you and goodbye. Good Goodbye.